Hello and welcome to the Inspiring Women Wales podcast brought to you by NatWest Cymru and the University of South Wales. I'm Gemma Casey, NatWest Cymru's Ecosystem Manager for Wales. If women in the UK matched men in starting and scaling businesses, £250 billion could be added to the economy. That startling figure was first revealed in the Rose Review of Female Entrepreneurship in 2019. Despite all the challenges we've faced since then, we are making progress. Last year, nearly 4,500 all-female founded firms were created in Wales and more than 140,000 across the UK as a whole. But we also know that women are still met with more hurdles when starting and scaling businesses. With this podcast, we're bringing you the stories of brilliant female founders of Welsh businesses who have faced the challenges of business life head on. We aim to bring you stories you can relate to, stories to inspire you and give you the confidence to move forward with your business dreams. With me for this episode is Adele Pember, founder of Dog Friendly. Hi Adele. Hiya. How are you today? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Sun's shining. It is a beautiful day, isn't it? A beautiful yeah. day for dog walking, in fact. Definitely. Uh, Adele, on the Dog Friendly website, it's got a fabulous line, how would you feel if your family and friends went for a nice meal without you? Oh, that's yeah. really heartrending. Um, tell me, what is Dog Friendly? Yeah, so Dog Friendly is like a TripAdvisor platform for dog owners to find and review dog-friendly places across the UK. So that includes pubs, cafes, hotels, restaurants, beaches, attractions, all the places where the dog is welcomed on site. You know, I always knew that I was destined to do something a little bit different with my life. I didn't realise it'd be this fluffy, but here we are. Um, basically, when I was in nursery, my very first role in the school play was a black sheep. And I've always felt like since then, I've marched the beat of my own drum, really. Um, after university, I landed myself an entry-level position as marketing uh, assistant for a local charity. And I just loved the thought of making a difference to local communities. And now I get to make a difference to the lives of dog owners. And so I guess I still felt like a black sheep when I was in my previous job. But now I know what that is. And that's entrepreneurial spirit. And that's where dog friendly sort of grew from, really. I love that. I love that idea of entrepreneurial spirit being uh, a bit of a black sheep. Um, maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, so you started off in in a job, in a paid position. Mm -hmm. Where did Dog Friendly come into that then? Yeah, so alongside my journey to figuring out who am I, I had Charlie, who's right by here. Ah, so beautiful. Charlie, he's a well-behaved, confident little pooch, but he suffers from separation anxiety and loneliness when he's left at home, which you wouldn't re recognise now because he's just snoozing away <laughs> but very content isn't he he is yeah but actually when I go out pop to the shops he's like a bag of nerves bless him so I thought to myself surely Charlie can't be the only dog feeling like this so I did a bit of research and I found that he wasn't alone so over eight million dogs are left at home when their humans pop to the shop or head out for a meal and each one feeling that same sadness and anxiety that Charlie does you know, dogs have such short little lives and they spend most of it waiting for us to come home from work. So like other dog owners, I was completely torn between staying at home with Charlie or going out for a meal. Why couldn't I do both? So I decided 
to make as many memories as possible. Sorry if you hear a dog flapping their ears. I have got another <laughs> one behind me, whatever she is. Um, she might ask me to go out now. I hope not. Why couldn't I make memories and enjoy the good times with Charlie? So from then on, I vowed to take Charlie out with me as much as possible. Um, initially, it wasn't easy finding dog-friendly places. Websites were out of date and difficult to use, and none of them had any dog-friendly places listed in Wales. So I decided that dog owners needed something new. So I just grabbed my pen and paper, wrote a list of dog-friendly places in Cardiff, And then it was that light bulb moment. Did I just think of a new business idea? Have I just thought of a trip advisor for dog owners? So I took my idea to the NatWest Accelerator, realized I wasn't the only black sheep. I found the herd Um, (laughs) and I used all the skills I had learned in marketing and design to create Dog Friendly, which is a travel platform sharing all these lovely places. Incredible. So did it start off as a passion project alongside the job you were already doing? Yeah, so when I started Dog for Andy, I was in my full-time job, juggling both things at once, pretty much thinking, is this just a hobby, a passion project, or could it be a business? Um, and through feedback and support from the NatWest Accelerator, I did realise that it could become a business, um, but monetizing it wasn't going to be easy because when you want to provide a service for free, how do you make money from that because I did I wanted to make sure that nobody was in the same position as me where I found it really difficult to find a place to take the dog so we decided to build the business around a freemium model which means that businesses could add their business to the website for free we charge extra for advertising but getting businesses to pay for that advertising wasn't easy because they wanted numbers they wanted a big audience and we just didn't have it at the time so When I first started, I felt like I was publishing posts and blogs that sort of went into thin air. No one read them. No one commented. It was just a symphony of crickets and my mum giving me the good thumbs up. Keep going. Um, So we focused on really getting to grips with building that community then and giving as much value as possible to dog owners. The key piece of advice I had when I was starting is that community has to start with connection and that connection comes from you. So it's really easy to think that people have to love everything about us to feel our connection but connection only really comes in having that one thing in common and that's when it sort of grows so wherever you live that could be maybe where you live could be that commonality maybe it's your love of animals or maybe your love of cheese but for us that one commonality was dog friendly places and being able to take the dog wherever you go so We started by reaching out to dogs on Instagram, asking for their favourite dog-friendly places in Wales, putting that connection together. We empowered those dog owners across the UK to add their favourite places to the website as well, so helping us to reach all those nooks and crannies across the UK. And you started a series of events, I think, didn't you? Was that in order to try and bring some money in? Yeah, so we started the events. Initially, it was to nourish that community and make them feel like they're a part of something. But the more events we did, we did things like pup quizzes, themed parties, pup crawls, all the puns, I know. Um, (laughs) We did all of these things to um, nourish the community, but eventually it became a cash cow for the business, um, which was the sort of reason, really, why I decided to leave my my full-time job and and give Dog Friendly a shot because I had that little bit of money sort of trickling in. So I made sure I had savings in place um, for about three months. And then I just took the plunge and said, 
goodbye to my full-time job. And I guess that's when I realized how tough it can be running your own business. I paid myself absolute peanuts, really, considering all the work you put in to create an event, working dusk till dawn every night, just trying to get enough money to get by. And fortunately, my husband continued to bring in a decent salary to keep us going. And that's that support has been integral to the success of the business, really. I can't count the amount of times he's gone pale because I had a new idea. and <laughs> He's just rolled with it and worked equally as hard as well to make sure that my business is running on all four paws. I, I knew that pun was coming out your mouth then and I cannot stop myself from saying it. I, don't, I just speak fluent pun lately. Oh, no, it's brilliant. I think with a business like Dog Friendly, you have to go with it, don't you? <laughs> um, so you, your business was fast becoming very much events-based as far as the revenue streams were, were concerned, at least. And then March 2020, we were in a pandemic and suddenly we were all told to stay at home. What on earth did that do to the business? Yeah, so... Fortunately for us, the day the lockdown came into place was the same week that we secured investment for the business. Um, thankfully, having those investors on board really allowed us the space we needed to sit back and look at the business and the business model from a new perspective. Um, and we quickly realised that events were no longer sustainable during a pandemic and they weren't scalable outside of the pandemic either. So, in order to be successful, we needed to revisit the monetization model. So whilst we continue to do that, we carried on growing our community. So during lockdown, we focused on creating virtual events that would bring people together, events that would support people who need it the most, events that help all of the members of the community who have been supporting us for so long. Um, and we did this through an event called Barcade, which was a big online dog show where dog owners could enter photographs into their dog into a series of categories each raising funds for different frontline charities. And it got so big that we had to reach over a million people across the UK. We raised £6,000 for charities. We had celebrities involved like Michael McIntyre, Laura Anderson from Love Island, Pete Wicks from The Only Way is Essex. Just all of these dog owners sort of coming together to support others during such a difficult time. Um, but yeah, the connection that we had during that time, that one sort of commonality of wanting to help others really helped our community to grow in a time where we thought all might be lost. So it all comes back down to community and connections, doesn't it, really? Um, and the fact that that's helped the business to grow. Um, you've talked about um, identifying the the connection um, with your community. Are there any other top tips you've got for other women starting a business in terms of how to build a community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way I like to see it is this. So bear with me. So social media is like the dance floor. So first you need to show your moves. Um, it's like a party where you're connecting with like-minded people. Then your website is your home, your welcome mat. Come inside, have a cuppa. Um, the bedroom is like the email list or sales. So people who are purchasing services from you or having those one-to-one -one conversations about some sort of sales package. I see so many times people skip in um, the sort of dance moves and they just go straight to the bedroom. But you need to have a long dance in the disco and connect with people before you can expect them to dive straight in. <laughs> <laughs> so some people are like, hey, welcome to the dance floor. Want to head straight to the bedroom? So provide them with plenty of value first before inviting them to your website. 
whenever we post on social media these days, we continue to ask ourselves these sort of things. Why does it matter to them? Is this post serving anyone other than myself? Um, and is there any other way that I can give value to this post? So can I share information they didn't already know? Um, but above all this, when you remove the veil and you allow your brand to show yourself, you can really grow your community. So when you start telling stories about your how you made your business or how you started, people become impacted by you and they fall in love with you and they back you and support you. Um, you know, there are people that go for pretty photos. There are people that go online for inspiration. And there are people who engage because the both of them together and make them take action. So, yeah, I guess that's my sort of, that's how I always look at it whenever I'm creating social media posts and stuff. I absolutely love that analogy. It's not one I've heard before, but it is so <laughs> impactful. Thank you for sharing that. Let's look at community from a different angle. So you mentioned that you have been and are again part of the NatWest Accelerator program, which is our fully funded support for growing businesses. And I know that you were also recently uh, a guest speaker on uh, University of South Wales's Developing Entrepreneurial Women program, which helps women to get their businesses off the ground. What is the importance of community to somebody who's actually running a business? What's the value of having a tribe of fellow business people around you? I think the benefits of it is having people who know what you're going through. They can feel your sort of pain when you're starting your business, um, thinking of that initial idea right through to, do you think I should get investment for this business? How big could it be? where could I take it? And then right through to after you've got investment, you've still got people who are in the same boat as you, where you can, again, share those commonalities of, I've got investment, where could I go now with it? So you're constantly finding that connection in entrepreneurs. Um, and being part of this sort of cohort of entrepreneurs, um, particularly women who are redefining success has been so invaluable to our business. Um, mostly because it's really empowered me to progress and grow personally. Watching other people run their businesses is really powerful, actually, because you feel inspired by them. And not only that, being able to share tips with each other and advice um, and just supporting each other, I think, is really, really helpful and important, really. And you mentioned earlier that just before lockdown, you'd secured investment for the business. I'd like to chat a little bit about that. So tell us a little bit about what that investment was and the steps you had to go through to secure it. Yeah. So just before the first lockdown, um, we entered a pitching competition in South Wales called Pitch It Valleys. And I heard about this competition through the grapevine and without much thought to it, I thought, yeah, let's give it a shot. What have I got to lose? Um, and so I went there with a pitch I'd created, not really putting much thought into it, just thinking, let's just go with the flow and see what happens. But it was super daunting. Think like Dragon's Den, but with Welsh investors in the hot seat uh, and important, important people in the audience, including people from Welsh government. Um, and I literally felt like a small fish in a big pond. And I thought, oh, heck, they're going to laugh me out of the building when I talk about my fluffy little business. But I did my pitch and I brought every sort of inch of tail wagging passion into it. Um, that put me into the final. Um, and I couldn't believe it really. But going through to that final really allowed me to look at the business in a different perspective. Um, 
after never considering investment as an option, I was now having to think about what would my business look like if I had £75,000 in the account. So I sat down and I thought about the scalability, what it would mean for me, what it would mean for the longevity of Dog Friendly. And I saw a completely new business, a business with staff, a business that could potentially become a global phenomenon. Um, You've done it again. I've done it again. I've done it again. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to go for it. So I refined my pitch. I thought about a five-year plan. And then I went back into the final and, well, I secured £75,000 investment from a syndicate of investors. Um, and since then, you know, we've invested in a team for Dog Friendly um, who were adapting and transforming our platform to a new level. Um, and just other staff members as well who were increasing our metrics and really building that community and allowing me to do other things in the business. So it's been amazing. Oh, well done. I mean, that it obviously took a lot of courage to do that. Um I am really interested in a few things you said there. So first of all, sort of how you felt about going into that. And that's a common theme that we hear from women in business is that they they think of Dragon's Den, basically, and they think I could never do that. What was it that actually got you to sign up for it and got you through the door on the day? I think what got me through the door was just confidence in my business and knowing that this could be something like in, in, in my heart, I knew that Dog Friendly could be a really big success. Um, but I guess it was my job to convince other people. So I just kept thinking to myself, um, remember why you're doing this. Just literally get all of that passion that you've got for dogs. Think about Charlie. Look at him right now. Think about Charlie. Think he is about, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> think about this little mascot and um how we could make this a success um and that's what kept me going through that pitch really was just thinking about what it could become and and just thinking about that dream constantly and I mean you know people in in suits and stuff and I'm just there in my dog friendly t-shirt and hoodie and I'm thinking oh do I really fit in um but when you really get to know those people behind the scenes, you do realise, yeah, I do fit in because they're also people who have been entrepreneurs and having that expertise and advice has been so invaluable to the business um, and it's been able to take us to a new level, really. And I love that. You weren't trying to be anybody else. You were a Delve dog friendly and, and I guess that's exactly what came through, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about that experience is you've mentioned your pitch. And I know, again, this is something that really scares a lot of people. And we spend a lot of time, as you'll know, on the NatWest Accelerator, helping businesses work on their pitch. And even that word can be daunting, I think, to people, because, again, they think of a pitch as being solely for investment. But it to me, a a good pitch means being able to sum up your business quite succinctly and use it in lots of different contexts. Mm. How easy was it for you to put together the pitch that won the funding for you? Yeah, so when I first put together my pitch, I did have a lot of people look over it because I needed to get other opinions because as a female entrepreneur, it's really difficult to be your most boastful version of yourself and to think about all of the success you've had and to be really bombastic and think yeah I've done amazing things and I had to have a lot of people say well you haven't put this in which you did you haven't put that in which you've done 
You haven't put the amount of followers you've grown to. And so, yeah, highlight all of the amazing things you've done and just don't be shy because you are amazing. So share your story and just go in it with confidence. And yeah, and really think about what investment could do for your business and go in with that dream in your mind. Um, And that's really how I came to re-refining that pitch and making sure that, you know, the the investors were going to have buy-in. And fortunately, they were all dog owners as well, which I think really helped. Absolutely. I bet it did. That's amazing. You mentioned that you used the investment to invest in your team. Tell me a little bit about growing the team, particularly in a pandemic when you had to be remote. Oh, yeah. So going from a one man band who does all the things to a team of four is challenging when you're just starting out. You have to sort of let go of that control and everything you've worked hard to create is in the hands of others. But then when your team is completely remote, there's other barriers to overcome here because communication can be so two dimensional and you're really prone to getting your wires crossed. So yeah, it's it's been a challenge, um, but it's also been really positive as well. Um, communication has been absolutely key to this whole process, I guess. We've tried numerous tools to try and create that remote working environment. Um, but the one that seems to work best for us is a little tool called Gabatown, which places you as a little avatar in a virtual office. And you can literally just walk up to people and spark your voice or video conversations just like you would in an office. So you end up like just having the, those natural conversations, which you wouldn't usually get if you was just on your Google chat or your Teams. Because usually you have to like schedule those calls in. Um, so now this is just a little bit more fluid and it brings us all together. So yeah, the advantage, I guess, of having a remote working team other than reduced costs is that we get to spend time at home with our dogs, for starters. Um, and we can also promote that sort of healthy work-life balance, especially being a mom now. I need to be flexible for my little one um, and just also to make sure that I'm taking the breaks. I need to be my best possible self in the business. So, yeah, it's been a real positive journey, actually, overall. How many have you got in the team now? There's four of us in total. Um, so there's myself and two others in marketing. And then there's <laughs> Brilliant. and then there's somebody else on the Tail and Techies team who does ah. like all the all the website stuff. But yeah. And your business has got such a strong ethos and culture, which has come across in the in this recording alone. How did you go about bringing them on that journey and making sure that they were embedded in that culture? Yeah, that itself has been a real challenge because when you bring people in, you need to make sure that they're not only on board with everything that the business has gone through in the past, but also what it's going to achieve in the future. And again, with it being remote, having that sort of two-dimensional discussion initially was difficult to really put across all of this tail wagging fluffiness um, to somebody. So yeah, it's it's been a real challenge, but having this new tool that we have, we've finally been able to bring people on board. And fortunately, the people that we're hiring are dog owners themselves, or they've had a dog in their lives and they know how important dogs are um, to be a part of the family. And so they're bringing their own little bits of magic into it as well, which is really nice. And last but certainly not least, Adele, you touched a little bit earlier about being a, a mam. 
Tell me a little bit about how you find juggling a growing business with the other full-time job of being a mum. Yeah, so it's been a challenge to say the least. So yes, I've recently adopted a little four-year-old boy. Um, Initially, I didn't think about just how much time and control I would use all over my day. You take that time that you have without a little one for granted. Um, But is my heart fuller than it's ever been? Yes but so are my hands. Um, So it was really crucial for me to sort of reevaluate how much time I really needed to be productive in the day versus the time I could spend bonding with my little one. And I'm sure that you know that child's needs tend to influence just how much free time you actually have. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So you've only got a certain number of hours to dedicate work to. So I started time blocking, giving myself hours where I'm getting stuff done, I've learned to get to delegate better and lean on my team, um, especially during that initial adoption leave. I ha- I gave all the reins over to the team, which was quite scary, um, but they did an amazing job to keep the company running the way that it should be. And I guess ultimately, remember, while you may feel like you do things best, you can't do everything um, because we've only got two hands, I guess. Um And yeah, I haven't got it all figured out yet that I am starting to adapt and get back to business and trying to give myself these practical tips moving forward. Oh, well, huge congratulations on the adoption, Adele, and we wish you all the very best. Thank you. That is all we've got time for. So thank you for listening and huge thanks to my guest, Adele Pemba, founder of Dog Friendly. To find out more about this podcast and how USW Exchange can connect your organisation to the skills, expertise and facilities at the University of South Wales, visit southwales.ac.uk forward slash business. For more on NatWest support for small businesses, search NatWest Business Services. That's it for this series of Inspiring Women Wales. If you've missed any of the episodes in Series 1, you can catch up with them now on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back later in the year with Series 2.